0: The moment of the evening, every K State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey. Jack, open a Lacroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys,
1: come on, boys. Boom the boys are back and while we are 100% right in the middle of basketball season football news and football talk never stops uh you know I saw the other day of the like top 120 lo- or top 120 television events in America for this past year like 90 of them were football games maybe even more A handful of college, mainly NFL, but you know what? We love college football here. It is year-long. It's always on Twitter, even sometimes when I'm fighting with nationally uh, relevant podcast hosts and writers for The Athletic. Uh, But hey, that was a couple weeks ago at this point. No need to talk about that. To help me out, to get a little bit of winter football update, I got on the phone and I was like, all right, I need need someone to help me out. I need someone who knows recruiting. I need someone who knows K-State football. I need someone who knows just about everything. And that person didn't pick up the phone. So then I reached out to Drew Galloway of K-State Online. I'm just kidding. Drew's one of my favorites. He has the pulse on just about everything. Drew, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, it's like 40 degrees outside. My my house, like the backyard, is turning into a mud pit. But you know what? Uh, it's going to be in the 50s next week. I mean, I you know, everyone hates on winter, but we had two really bad weeks of weather, and now it's going to be like in the 40s and 50s until the spring. Yeah,
0: I mean, we, we made the joke. Uh, I think it was on our way home from Ames today where we said, like, I don't know if it's just because it's been like negative 20, but like 40, like it feels awesome outside. So it's like, it's kind of that weird in between, but like, I'm more of a summer guy. So
1: the winter doesn't really do a lot for me. Well, I'm definitely not, but that's okay. (laughs) That is not why we are here. We're here to talk about K-State sports, specifically football. But what I will ask, because you were in Ames on Wednesday night, yesterday as we're recording this, two nights ago, as folks are listening on Friday. Um, as the basketball team, you know, Jerome Tang, I, it's kind of weird how often he's talking about nine and nine needs to make it to the tournament. Um, like, I, I'm almost feeling like, oh, man, he he, he thinks that that's maybe where they're going to end up, and, and that's where he's campaigning. Um but but what's your big takeaway, one or two takeaways from that game in Ames, Iowa, since you were there in person? Uh, probably my biggest
0: takeaway, and it's something that we touched on in the instant reaction video that Mason and I did last night, was it, it's another one where K-State wasn't the tougher team on the road down the stretch of a game, where at home you've kind of seen K-State be able to grind it out and make the plays at the end. Uh, But they weren't able to do that last night. And you wonder, is that going to be a trend the rest of the year? Is that going to be just like two kind of outlier games? Because K-State, while they are good and they are very talented, they are not good enough to blow somebody out. So they're kind of in that in between where like every game is going to be close. So you need to be the tougher team down the stretch and getting outscored. I think it was thirteen to one to finish the game off last night. That that's not good after, especially when you combine that with how the Texas Tech game ended in Lubbock. Uh, my second big takeaway is that Hilton, for as the magic goes or whatever that was the most obnoxiously officiated game I've ever seen in my life, I think. Like, I I was the first one to kind of point it out, and then other people kind of piled on, but, like, I've never seen a game where a team had gone ten possessions of defense, and nine they were called for a foul on, and they were also called for an offensive foul on that same stretch. So, like, and they K State didn't lose because of the officials, but the officials definitely did not help, is what I'll say on that.
1: Yeah, I mean we got to the free throw line plenty. They were in foul trouble as well. I'm I'm very much a not a referee blame type of guy, but uh, I saw an alternate angle of the drone tang and uh non-altercation that led to his technical foul, and I just rolled my eyes. Um but yeah, it, it was rough and you know, it, 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 I think it is a little concerning because the script played the exact same as Texas Tech. You get yeah. blitzed right out the, right out of the gate, you get absolutely blitzed. Um, granted, it happened in the second half versus the first half, but then you go on a big run to get the game in uh, Ames, close. Texas Tech, it was bigger. You took the lead. Uh, but then you absolutely don't get anything done late. So I think it's concerning. Um I did, tied the game 5 times last night but never took the lead. Yeah, and they had plenty of opportunities um even if you want to get frustrated with the referees. It, it, it was just a rough game and uh Houston I don't think there's going to be much of a crowd compared to Ames or uh Iowa State, but uh they're kind of Iowa State on crack um yeah. or steroids you should probably say. Iowa State on steroids. <laughs> so they they do all the the same things that uh frustrated K-State but they do it better and with better talent. So uh, I'm not looking forward to Saturday, but hey, maybe they'll shock us um, before they go uh, back to Bramlage and play Oklahoma. But let's talk a little football. I I kept saying this because I was of the belief that uh, Dante Cephas was going to be a cat. And and I've said it, I was saying it on the show, I mean, for the better part of a month, honestly. And I kept saying, hey, once we officially get confirmation, I'm going to bring someone on who knows football, uh much better than me to talk about it. Um, but but it did become official. Uh weirdly enough, it became official from a video from Joe Hall, uh just showing all the uh mid year enrollees and there he was. And then like later on, after everyone uh you know I did the Bosco's voice tweet. You guys had some of your stories up and then I think later that evening he he put something out on Twitter. Uh but the Dante Cephas is a wildcat. So First off, before we talk about what sort of wide receiver he is, uh, how good of a recruiting win was this for K-State, or was this kind of like, all right, Matthew Middleton and him had a connection. He's like, all right, you know, I I didn't have the season I wanted at Penn State. Let's go to maybe where I should have uh, ended up last year.
0: Uh, It's still a good recruiting win. The added advantage of having Matthew Middleton there helps. And in kind of the same vein where getting Keegan Johnson last year, it helped that K-State was so far deep into his high school recruitment as well, where he had uh, familiarity. But it's still a big recruiting win because Cephas is from Pittsburgh and Pitt wanted him really, really bad, along with UCLA. And I don't believe that he visited either of those schools. So like it, it's big for K-State to just kind of spurn that away. And with the Joe Hall video and everything, it was the craziest thing. Like Dante Cephas took classes the entire week, and then I think it was like that Saturday. It was last Saturday after the uh, the basketball game. He announced like his official commitment, and I was like, he he had already like been in classes. Like like I, I don't know, but he it was a big recruiting win, and there were struggles at Penn State last year. We also didn't get to Penn State until June.
1: I don't think that Drew Aller is very good. He's a not. quarterback. You, you don't have to say, I don't think. You can say Drew Aller isn't good. No, uh, ne-
0: neither was their offense. I mean, they had I, to. I was literally about to say, too, like, there's a reason they, al- they also fired their offensive coordinator. Like, their, their offense was a disaster. Like, I think when you look at their stats, they had one wide receiver that led the team in catches. And then it was like a combination of like running backs and tight ends. And I mean, I, I watched uh, the bowl game that Penn State played. Obviously, Dante Cephas didn't play in the bowl game and they were kind of a mess already because they had fired their offensive coordinator before that. But, like you just look and like it, Drew Allard did not look great at any point this year.
1: Yeah, so we're bringing him in. What sort of wide receiver is he going to uh, be? If if you're going to give a, you know, a layman's uh, scouting report on Dante Cedis, what would you tell us? Uh, so he, he has good speed, good hands.
0: Well, he that's other Penn State people do say that he had a little bit of a drop problem. But uh, how much of that is true? I, I don't know. He seems to have good hands because he was he didn't have a drop issue at Kent State. So I, I wonder how much of that is where Drew Aller's putting the ball. So he has pretty good hands. He's fast. He's pretty physical. And he's a good yards after catch guy. And you're kind of seeing that develop more as like a what Matthew Middleton wants in his receivers. And I, I mean, we've talked about this before that K-State's wide receiver coach has been kind of a revolving door the last five years. Um, and to the point where, like uh, Philip Brooks and Seth Porter, had five different receivers coaches in their six seasons. So you're kind of trying to figure out what Matthew Middleton wants compared to some other, some of the other coaches. Like it looked like uh, in the previous cycle with um, Thad Ward, that he wanted more of like the big physical guys, and now it looks like with Matthew Middleton, he wants more of like the still pretty big because Dante Cephas is like 6-1 I believe but he wants more of like yards after catch and home run hitting kind of guys so I think we're kind of si- starting to see that settle in as well which is good because like there it was a point where like you had no idea what K-State really valued in a receiver because it kept changing and it kept changing with the offense and then with the receivers coach so we're kind
1: of settling that in too All right. So when you start looking forward to the 2024 football season, uh, is it going to be as simple as all right? All right. Dante Cephas, he's going to be an outside guy. Uh, Keegan Johnson, he's still going to be on the outside. And Jace Brown's going to play more on the inside. Or how do you see it uh, laying out? Because I think, and you can tell me I'm wrong, I'm open to being wrong. I think it is those three guys who are pretty set in at least going into spring being your starters.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that those three are going to be the starters. Where they play is tough. I think I would like to see Keegan Johnson maybe be in the slot with Jace Brown on the outside to try and give Keegan Johnson more uh, more room and kind of exploit some matchups there. But you feel a lot better about the receiving core now with Dante Cephas than I think that you did at any point last year. That was even with Keegan Johnson coming in last year. The the wide receiver room was still a pretty big question mark throughout the offseason.
1: Yeah, and I think the emergence of Jace Brown, the kind of hope that Keegan Johnson comes around, um, and, and then another year for some of those young guys. uh before we move on to talking about Manhattan Brewing Company, shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, when you look at Dante Cephas, you you look at where He was rated, uh, you know, on the on three portal type of stuff. Uh, Is this kind of like the sweet spot type of guy uh, that you think K-6 should be going after? You know, uh, maybe really hot, you know, in in the lower ranks, maybe maybe tried to give it a go up in Power 5 football. And then, hey, it's his final year. Or or would you like to see them uh, target a different type of player? You just saying, hey, get talent. It doesn't matter what their profile is. I'd rather have them get talent,
0: but it's a lot easier, I think, to kind of look and translate what they did at their previous stuff and what they're going to do into the future when you have somebody that's proven it and at either level, which is why like, I'm fine with taking Dante Cephas, even though he didn't play well at Penn State, with just a lot of circumstances behind that, because you know what he did when he was at Kent State. It's so like I, I'm more of team like if there was a really productive player at a level, FCS or group of five, and having them transfer up, that that's probably more translatable to where K-State wants to be. Like Jordan Riley, Scott, the safety
1: for Ball State is probably the type of player that they would really want. So I, I don't want to get too carried away because it's not on the outline, but I was talking to someone uh about him specifically and i am i'm now starting to get bullish like i I think he might be i i I know it was like fcs uh safeties transferring to k-state and then they're an nfl guy and i know ball state isn't fcs but i think he might be like that next safety that transferred up to k-state and is eventually in the nfl i've heard some fun things about him so could have uh, two
0: next year with a seagull, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I, 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 dude, I know some people are getting worked up about safeties because Kobe left, but I think the safeties are going to be a lot, maybe not a lot better, but they're going to be better next year. I think you, they,
0: you'll see them get better because they'll be more comfortable. VJ Pin will be in a second season starting, seagull in a second season starting. You like what you have with Jordan Riley Scott, so it you'll see a lot of progression, I think. Yep,
1: I, I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, before we keep it going, let's give a shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. You guys heard me talk about their no quit IPA in honor of Brady. Uh, great, great cause. They always do great work uh, at Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, so make sure if you're getting up to Manhattan for the K-State women's game with BYU at I believe it's 4 p.m. in Bramlage Coliseum See your number two ranked K-State Wildcats, a game and a half up on Oklahoma, first place in the standings, by the way. Uh, So make sure to check them out. Make sure you get at least one of those pints, get a couple four-packs. It's going to go to help fund a scholarship in Brady's honor. Uh, So shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Not only do they have the best beer in the state of Kansas, not only does their tap room have some of the, the best vibes in the state of Kansas, not only do they have killer cocktails as well, they're also always trying to do fun things to help out those in the community in different charitable endeavors. So shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Great beer, great people trying to help other great people accomplish great things. All right. um, Let's talk about the transfer portal. Are there any known targets still out there? Again, uh, there's some folks from Arizona who can still pop in. Maybe there's folks from Michigan who can pop in. Grad transfers can get in whenever they want. And maybe if there's a JUCO guy you know about, we can toss them in as well. But are there any known transfer targets right now?
0: Uh, Right now, I wouldn't say that there's any known targets. I I, I would say that there are still some positions that that they are hunting for. I think that they would like another linebacker. If they can work in another offensive lineman, not even as like a starter, but just as a depth piece, I think that they would try and work an offensive lineman transfer in. And they're still kind of on the hunt for another receiver. So we'll see kind of how all of that transpires. But at this point, there are no known targets. But that doesn't mean that nothing is going on. That just means that they could, they could just all be quiet and then something explodes.
1: Yeah, and, and they work in silence, especially when it comes to the transfer portal, a lot more uh, than maybe they did early on. Uh, so I'll ask you this. If you had to, I'm not going to say gun to your head because I'm, that's that's morbid, but if you had to bet $1,000, uh, the next transfer they bring in, is it someone that is currently you know uh, i either in the portal or a junior college person or something or will it be someone who enters uh during the spring portal period slash uh grabbing them after spring ball uh, this is just an absolute guess like you said like uh,
0: betting a 1000 dollars i would say that it might that it's looking more towards like somebody will be added before the spring window and, and i just say that because there there's a lot of real like you'll see social media activity with some guys but like there's no real confirmation on like how hard are they actually pursuing. So my guess is that somebody's added before the spring, but it's getting a little late in the game for that as well.
1: Uh, Not, not on the outline, but uh, there is a spring roster up. I, I think uh, Derek said on the message boards that not everything's updated. So don't take everything, you know, uh, as the Bible, take everything with a grain of salt. Um, But one of those prize guys, a junior college guy, Alcorn Crowder, uh, we all thought he was going to be in for the spring. Do you have any update on him? He, he wasn't on the roster. Uh, Is that someone who's going to be coming maybe closer to March, similar to uh, the Will Lee saga, or is that going to be something where he arrives in the summer? Are we still working on finding confirmation? It's going to be something that we're working
0: to find confirmation on. I've asked somebody a couple days ago like what what do you know and i was told that they don't really know but i don't think that there's anybody really worrying about it because he's already signed it's not like i don't think that it's like a in dire straits but it's something that like i noticed because i i was never able to really talk to malcolm alcorn crowder throughout his recruitment just because every time i'd message him either wouldn't reply or like he'd reply and then I would be busy with something else and we just never really connected. But I it, I did notice that he did have December graduate in his bio and, and then you look and he's not on the K-State spring roster and it does make you worry, but I, I don't think it's something that you need to worry about
1: right now. All right, good deal. I know he's one I was excited for, and I think everyone is. Um, so going back to transfers, are you a little surprised that to this date they they haven't brought in a little bit more? What was the number you were expecting, and, and kind of what what's maybe not your grade, but what's kind of your takeaway of how they've uh, started to or not started how they have filled some of those holes through the portal and JUCO recruiting?
0: Um, I mean, I'm I'm a little surprised by it. Because I, I just assumed that uh they would have more visitors. But at the same time, like, I like who they brought in in December. And you're probably only really missing a linebacker and a wide receiver of who they would probably really, really want. Offensive line is probably just more of, like,
1: A little bit of a luxury uh
0: if we can work this in like we will yeah it's more of like a luxury item it's like those two positions i'm a little surprised that they didn't add another one but to be honest like the the linebacker room is pretty crowded as it is and and adding another receiver do you risk running off one of the other young guys that you really want to keep around so it it's a hard balancing act. And like, that that's what I keep trying to tell everybody is like, why don't you bring in somebody here? And it's like, well, if you do like, what if one of the other young guys that you like goes, goes on and enters the portal himself. So you'll see that. And like, everything is just so different now in college football. Like you, Casey probably would like to have, a more experienced backup quarterback next year with Avery Johnson, but you're never going to find that in the transfer in the transfer portal because a player that's going to transfer that you would want to be your experienced backup doesn't want to be the back, doesn't want to be the backup. So it's a balancing act for sure.
1: Yeah. And it's like, okay, same with running back. You're, you're bringing in, you know, some, some talented guys, you have a talented true freshman is someone going to want to come in with experience to compete with those freshmen to be a backup to a 1500 yard back a corner? Hey, yeah. Maybe in a perfect world, you'd like a more experienced corner, but you have two cemented starters and you have some talented guys coming up the ranks as well. So uh, it it is a whole new world when it comes to roster management and roster building. And uh, I think it's taken at least me a little bit of time to kind of sit back and realize, okay, this is an NCAA 14.
0: No, and, like, even at safety, like, I, I don't think that they would have taken a safety transfer if Kobe Savage had entered the portal. It's like, you, you see it even, like, flash kind of in that sense of, like, you don't expect to have to take somebody, but then now you have to. But, it, yeah, it's a crazy world. I, I do not envy the coaching staff and the transfer portal because it's just... It's not, like, a nightmare, like, in a bad way, but, like,
1: it can cause a lot of headaches. Definitely. Well, so uh, most of the spring enrollees have arrived. Workouts have begin to start back up. Um, any whispers or, or there, is there anything you're starting to hear about stuff, uh, you know, guys hitting the ground running uh, since returning from break? Uh, one of the guys that uh, was
0: pointed out to me, and this was before workouts even started, was that uh, some guys or some people that I know are pretty um, – Impressed with how Jaquez Bradley Dimps looks, and that's more of just a sheer, like, looks standpoint. Like, the I think it was his uh stepmom posted the picture of him on his move in day, and everybody was kind of like, Why why was he wearing shorts? Because that was one of the days it was like negative 30, but like, you could see that he has a size and has put on a lot of strength, even as, especially. In his legs, I noticed how big his calves were compared to where he was when he took the official visit. Obviously, everybody loves to hear about Avery Johnson. And obviously, everything is good with with him. And I'm really impressed with some of the guy's size that came in. Uh, Boone Morris is really well put together. I think he's in like the 225 range already. And uh, another just kind of roster note that I really liked. And I know that I I don't know how, I actually don't know how you'll feel about this, uh, but Chidi OBI is wearing number eight. I love it now. I think he's one of the, he's one of the first defensive linemen for K-State. I can remember wearing a single digit.
1: See, I, I would, per, I, I like the traditional numbers. Um, so I, I don't love that. Uh, and, and if you're going to do, I, I like double, di- like, unless you're like going to go zero, uh, <laughs> Like I, I think that's gonna look weird, but I don't know. That's like one of my like my boomer things. My my, my two kind of when it comes to uniform because I'm usually like all over the place. Like, you know, I want to see uh, different sweatbands and sleeves and all type of stuff. I I don't like you know the evolution in football how like numbers don't mean anything anymore. Um, You know, I, I want wide receivers to wear numbers in the eighties, which is like, everyone hates that. And, and I want defensive linemen wearing nineties and all this type of stuff, like whatever, I, it's fine. I'm except for quarterbacks. If a quarterback's in wear a number in the twenties, that's when I get a little weird. And then basketball, I don't like, like this new thing where, especially, you know, buddy and RJ are still wearing these highlighter red shoes. Like I guess they're Kobe's or someone said it's like the first shoe that was released under the Kobe brand since he passed away. And that's why everyone loves the shoe, but like whatever. I don't like it. Um I, I like the I like the shoes to match to the team color scheme in basketball and, and football. I don't like all these weird numbers, so I don't love it. By um, the way, this is another
0: funny roster note thing. Did you realize how much Travis Bates and Austin Moore look
1: look alike yeah. until the roster? Yeah. I, I saw that in, in like, you know, at least cousins, like they, they need to do a 23 and me like yeah. DNA test and see like, they, they could be brothers. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they do. They do look ju- very similar, very similar. All right. Uh, before we get it going and end with some, uh, 2025 recruiting news, uh, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Charlie hustle. First and foremost, uh, Shout out to Charlie Hustle. Thanks to them, I will have an announcement um, at the anniversary show. We'll just say that. At the anniversary show, I have a big announcement. Uh, shout out to Charlie Hustle. Uh, but, look, they're doing Coaches versus, uh Cancer fundraising shirts. The Jerome Tang shirt is awesome. We're in a competition with Bill Self, with Muscleman, and Dennis Gates. Currently, Jerome Tang is still in the lead. If you haven't, consider buying a Jerome Tang shirt. Not only does it look cool, not only is it super comfortable, because that's what Charlie Hustle does, but 25% of the proceeds are going to the American Cancer Foundation for coaches versus cancer. And you just heard me say it. We're in competition with those other three coaches, and I want Jerome Tang to win because I like him. I don't think Bill Self. Actually, no, I'm not going to say anything about the other coaches during a Charlie Hustle ad read. Because you know what? I love Charlie Hustle. And if they're working with those coaches, then they must be okay. Um, so ch- shout out to Charlie Hustle, shout out to Jerome Tang, shout out to Coaches versus Cancer. Go over there, check it out. Also, check out all their other officially licensed K-State apparel. And guess what? If you cheer for cheer for the same pro football team as me, check out the Arrowhead Collection. Spring's going to be here before you know it. Check out the sporting club collection. Check out the crown town collection. It's not just the greatest officially licensed K-State merch, all sorts of Kansas city merch as well as the iconic Casey Hart shirt as well. Shout out to Charlie hustle, CharlieHustle.com, and their shop on the country club Plaza vintage made fresh. All right. Um, we'll end with, uh, really two recruiting questions except for the second one is like a seven parter. Uh, but who, who do you think is going to be that first 2025 guy to pop? Um, we're still waiting on it. You know, at times we thought it, it could happen before the break of the year, but recruiting, it's always tough to figure out the timeline. So who are some candidates to be that first 2025 commit?
0: Uh, if I was to guess who the first 2025 commit is right now, I would, I think, I think I would lean slightly towards Lincoln Kier of Goodland. Uh, he is a big-time four-star prospect with offers from just about everywhere. Uh, K-State was the first to offer. He almost committed to K-State during the month of December until Colin Klein left for Texas A&M. Um, but nothing has really changed in his recruitment since Colin Klein left which kind of shows you how far ahead K-State was and is. Uh, He grew up a K-State fan. He grew up going to games at K-State. So everything is all good with him. And right now he's in the middle of his basketball season, so he hasn't visited anywhere yet, but uh, the K-State coaches have made it a point to stop in Goodland two, three, four times now during this contact period. So he is probably the one that I'd watch out for another kind of a a sleeper guy. If, if it's not going to be Lincoln cure, I think that my best guess would be Lucas Allgaier, who is an offensive lineman from the St. Louis area. Uh, He has visited K-State three times now and visited last Saturday and was at the Oklahoma state basketball game uh, with a few different 2025 guys that were there as well. And he has a really strong re- relationship with coach Riley and he's a rare guy that was out of state, but made it a point to come to K state twice during the football season. And you don't really see that unless they're really interested. So I, I don't know if it's going to happen soon, but I think that K state's pretty out in front for Lucas Al guy as well.
1: That's a fun one. Uh, and, and you know, they they've at times really tried to get into St. Louis and, and struggled. So uh, grabbing one of the better offensive linemen in that St. Louis Metro, that, that would be a good early get. Um, Let's end uh, talking about the state of Kansas. So on three currently has seven guys in Kansas uh, ranked and rated uh, different spots have different rankings, different amount of guys, but Hey, on three, it's the best. It's where you are. Um, I don't actually know if it's the best or not because I'm not a talent evaluator, uh, but you know what, that's where you are. And uh, that's what we're going to use. So I'm going to say the name. It's in order one through seven, uh, how the state of Kansas is ranked. um, These seven guys by on three. Uh, And you can tell me, uh, you know, kind of where K-State stands, but I I want you to kind of label them as, hey, I think K-State's the favorite. K-State's a contender. Hey, they're out of the race or K-State just really not really interested in in, in that recruitment. Um, And uh, then you can tell me anything else you want to. Of course, always. If you want great coverage, check out K State online, where Drew's always doing a great job with Mason and Dy as well. But let's start with the number one ranked guy according to On Three, uh, four-star offensive lineman at Blue Valley Northwest, Andrew Babalola. Babalola. I, so would say, I, I would say.
0: I would. I would say K State's a contender for Andrew Babalola. Babalola. Okay. Um, <laughs> It at one point I kind of just assumed that with his recruiting profile, he would start to look away from staying in state. Uh, but k and K-U are right there. Uh, uh, Michigan is another team that has been involved. Uh, Andrew Babalola, like uh, Lucas Alguire visited uh last saturday was not at the oklahoma state basketball game because he had his own basketball game or practice or something like that uh but he was in manhattan again which is big uh remember andrew babalola wanted to visit for the farmageddon game and, ch- and was choosing to visit for the farmageddon game over going to ohio state michigan so that that's a pretty big deal and Even though K-State wasn't the first to offer Babalola, this is where you see the work that they do before they offer somebody that Connor Riley was one of the first people to recruit Babalola, and that's kind of kept K-State in it, in his relationship with uh, Riley. And Babalola was also uh, visited during December and went to a bowl game practice. So K-State is right in the thick of it for Andrew Babalola.
1: We already heard you mention him number two in the on three Kansas rankings, Lincoln cure four star tight end from Goodland. I imagine if he's on commitment watch, if we think he could be the first guy, I mean, I might be putting words in your mouth, but he has to be uh, uh, a case. has to be the favorite for this one, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Casey it's the favorite for Lincoln cure uh, Texas a and I think Oregon is also in like his top three slash five schools. But K-State's been out in front literally from the beginning and has never really relinquished the lead. So you would just
1: like to see that one get over the finish line sooner than later. I hear you. Uh, Deshaun Brame, another four-star tight end. Man, Kansas is the tight end state in in 2025. Uh, He's from Derby. Uh, Not a lot of great luck with Derby High School. Um, is K-State still a contender, or are they kind of teetering out of the race for him?
0: I would say probably out of the race at this point. Uh, Chad Simmons yesterday put in a recruiting prediction machine, RPM prediction for uh, Braham to go to Oregon. I-, I would tend to agree with that. It was in, uh, the last big board that we did for the 2025 class that we thought that Oregon was turning for Braham. And it looks like the Ducks are going to land him. And it's one where it just seems like he wanted to make his own path. His parents both went to K-State. And his dad uh, was there at the same time as Brent Venables. So K-State in Oklahoma for a long time kind of seemed to be what looked like the favorites. And now he decided that he wants to make his own path and is now going to Oregon, most likely.
1: All right, let's go to uh, perennial state champion contenders, Mill Valley, for four-star edge Jaden Woods. Where's K-State at in his recruitment? This is
0: a wild one to me uh, because I I want to say K-State is a contender based on what we've heard from other sources. And even talking to Woods about K-State. But he also didn't visit during the fall. So it's one where it's hard to track. So I, I'm going to say contender because of what other sources have said. And the last few times that Jaden Woods had visited K-State, he the one thing he kept saying was how much K-State felt like home to him. So... It that one is a very, very hard recruitment to read from the outside. Who else is in the Jaden Woods race then? Uh the, there's some SEC schools going after Woods. Um, but I, at this point, it kind of like a Lincoln Cure, it's it's hard to name who hasn't offered Jaden Woods at at this stage. I I think Tennessee has been Uh, at Mill Valley in the last few weeks to visit him. Like the amount of offers that these top four have in the state of Kansas is unlike anything that I've seen.
1: Yeah, it's going to rival just about any year. Uh, Let's go to number five, uh, four-star linebacker out of Blue Valley, Dawson Merritt, who actually just had a massive – ratings increase on ESPN. I think he might have popped into ESPN's top 100. Um, I think I saw that the other day. I'm not 100% sure, but he is an on three, four star uh, at Blue Valley. That's a spot K-State's done well at. Uh, Where does K-State kind of rank for his recruitment? How do you see that one going?
0: I would say in the mix for Dawson Merritt as well. He's another guy that uh, his dad, though, is actually the defensive backs coach for the Chiefs. So there, there's a fun fact for you. Um, but he, that other guy, though, where it, it's honestly harder to name what schools he hasn't visited and what schools haven't offered him. Uh, he really blew up during the fall. And he actually visited K-State for the opening game of the season and didn't get offered then, and then got offered a little bit later on because K-State wanted him to come back. Uh, and then get uh, the offer, but he ended up just not being able to with uh, some other things on his schedule. But, like, it is absolutely insane what this top half of the 2025 class has, and it it would probably go toe-to-toe with uh, the 2023 class in terms of recruiting profile and offers out there. Like, it, it just if you have free time, just go and look at the offers that these kids have right now. And that, that's really before this spring, which is where you normally see the Kansas kids start to blow up.
1: Someone who really is the, the only guy who, who's kind of had a descent when it comes to rankings and attentions is Juju Marks. Um, he still has a four-star uh, rating. He's a defensive lineman. I believe I saw on Twitter he's transferring from St. Thomas Aquinas to Olathe South uh, for his final year of high school. Um, What's going on there? Uh, I would say K-State isn't currently
0: interested in uh, Julian Marks, who is transferring to Olathe South from St. Thomas Aquinas. I believe he's doing that so he can uh, enroll early at his next stop. I I just think that they are – both sides are kind of mutually not interested after uh, like, I think it was right after he committed to Missouri and reopened his recruitment. I don't think that either side has really talked since then.
1: Fair enough. And then the final one who's currently in the Kansas top seven on, on three Brock Heath, a three-star from blue Valley Northwest. Again, uh most years you, you look at his ranking, you're like, oh man, you know, he he could be one of the top guys in the state. Uh, but but again, with uh six guys currently with four star ratings in front of him right now, getting overshadowed a little bit, uh, where's his recruitment at right now? I would say that
0: K-State's a contender, maybe even the favorite. Um, his dad played basketball at K State. You'll see that this class has a lot of uh K-State connections involved with with them uh he he was with andrew barola last saturday lucas Algay as well and it, it seems to be turning in the right direction for k-state and he's another one where i would honestly probably lean towards the favorite and i'd be a little surprised if
1: k-state didn't eventually land brock heath as well well that's a fun one to hear so Obviously, with the state of Kansas, you mentioned it in the spring, guys tend to, uh, you know, blow up. And then the summer circuit, there's usually a handful of Kansas kids who kind of come onto the radar. Is there anyone you're currently looking for? Are you kind of in a wait and see period, get up to camp and see who kind of flashes in those competition settings uh, before their senior year? Uh,
0: The one guy that really I'm interested to see where his recruitment goes is uh, Keaton Jones from uh, field Kenley High School in uh, Coffeyville. And he has been offered by Texas Tech and Penn State so far this month. So we'll see where it goes. I wouldn't be surprised if that's one where K-State wants to see him more in a camp setting. And and there's another thing, too, that's added into this K-State doesn't want to offer an in-state kid if it's not committable. So they really take their time with the in-state kids and getting to know them and watching them play and getting them and seeing them work out before they offer them. It's like that's when you see like somebody like Penn State comes in and offers somebody like Keaton Jones who that Penn State was his second offer or third, third offer total uh with uh cincinnati and texas tech beforehand of like what happens like with penn state because you never know with a school like that where like at k-state if they if they're offering an n-state kid you know that they really want them
1: yeah it'll be a fun one to keep an eye on and as always uh, i would recommend folks follow what drew is doing over at k-state online Drew uh that's all I have uh plug anything you got going on right now at K State online and then uh we'll call it an evening or a afternoon not an yeah evening. so it's been a day.
0: yeah, I feel that uh so just keep it locked in with Kso. We're doing a lot of stuff on YouTube and the, uh the Kso show uh the Sunday shows where you'll find me a lot of times with uh KSU underscore fan. Um, we'll have a lot of stuff about basketball coming up, football news, and football recruiting never stops. So we'll have stuff all about that as well. And it's just been a it's been a whirlwind kind of last few months with everything going on, and it feels like every couple of days like something big has been happening. So
1: it's been a good time. Definitely. Well, that's all we have. It's another week here at Bosco's Boys. We'll be back on Monday where we will talk about the K-State women. Of course, if you can, get into Bramlage, 4 p.m., the number two team in the nation, game and a half lead on everyone in the Big 12, tipping off, like I said, 4 p.m. versus BYU, ESPN Plus, if you can't give it a watch. I believe it's ESPN or ESPN2. I can't remember for the men at 11 a.m. with Houston. ESPN right
0: after college game day.
1: ESPN right after college game day at Houston. Uh, Be sure to watch that. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back on Monday. We'll talk about both of those games and give a look into the midweek games. Uh, I believe it's two games with Oklahoma, men at home, women on the road, midweek next week. So uh, big and two uh, the month of January. And I also believe Kansas Day is next week as well. So, you know, we love the state of Kansas on this show. So, go get yourself some flowers, some Kansas beef, make yourself a steak. Check out Charlie Hustle. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company. So, for Drew Galloway of K State Online and Chauncey, the best dog in the world, my name's Scott McFarland. We love you guys and go cats. Hey. Wild cat
0: in fight. Hail, Alma
1: mater, from sea to sea. Onward forever, Hail, victory. Ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. fight. You can't stay, podcast
0: for form. Alma mater, fight glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors we will ever be. A Fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory.
1: Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for Alma Mater. i not Network.